Have you ever seen Game of Thrones? Did you catch the last episode of Euphoria? The Witcher? Ever watched True Blood or any of those HBO or Cinemax shows? What about normal people? What about Orange is the New Black, Westworld, True Detective? What do all these shows have in common? They're all super popular shows watched by millions of people, critically acclaimed, widely available on streaming platforms, and all of them have a level of nudity, and sexual content that used to be reserved for movies with an R rating or even an NC-17 rating. Disclaimer, Pop Culture Catechism listeners, this episode is not the one to listen to with your kids or little ears or sensitive ears around. If you're a teenager listening to this, this would be a good one to ask your parents about first to listen to before you listen to, because today we're talking about pornography and the exponential increase of nudity and sex scenes in mainstream shows and movies. We are joined today by someone I'm super excited to talk to, author and speaker, Mary Alina Berg, whose personal perspective on this topic is likely one you have not heard before. We're not only going to talk about pornography on a personal level, but how it might affect someone you're in a relationship with, how it might affect your marriage, how it might affect our culture. So I really think you're going to want to stick around and see and listen to what she has to say, especially if this is something pornography and nudity is that's something that you've struggled with or you know someone who struggled with it, which I guarantee you do. Or if you've ever just been watching something and thought, hmm, maybe it isn't good for me to be watching this and looking at this, then you'll want to stick around for this very special show of Pop Culture Catechism. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. So it's no secret that the internet has made pornography way more accessible and almost unavoidable over the past 20 years. And it started to influence our culture and more and more mainstream shows and movies. In fact, over the past 10 years, there's been a 400% increase in nudity and sexually explicit scenes in TV shows. As people of faith, how should we handle this? Should we just unsubscribe from all streaming platforms, not watch TV anymore? Should we just not worry about it as all this Catholic Christian stuff. Just, are we just too prudish? Should we just be like the French and just not, you know, allow boobs to be everywhere and not really worry about it? Are we just being prudes about it? It's, it's just outdated ideas that we shouldn't worry about anyway. What should I think about this trend both for ourselves and for our relationships, our connection to God. And for those of us that are parents, what about our children? This is pop culture catechism, the gospel, according to pop music and movies, where we look for God's love in the media that you're plugged into. So then we can unplug and go live the gospel in the real world when we're done with this show. My name is Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, DC. I spent over a decade teaching in Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. Now I'm blessed to speak to thousands of people and play music for thousands of people each year through events all over the place in this show, Pop Culture Catechism. And by the end of this episode, our hope is that you'll have some tools to help you navigate the media that we're plugged into and that we're watching all the time and listening to all the time and have some skills to be able to handle it and to be able to guide ourselves. So a special thank you to our patrons who make this show possible through popculturecatechism.com and the Awaken app. I want to welcome to our show our guest today, Marion Lienaberg. She's a speaker and author of the book, Be Brave in the Sacred, or I'm sorry, Be Brave in the Scared and Be Bold in the Broken. Mary, welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm excited yeah. to have this conversation. I am excited to have this conversation with you. Now, when we were talking just for a minute before we hit record, you kind of told me your tagline, which I'd, I had heard before, but I don't want to mess it up. Can you tell us, you, you have, so, have kind of a, a strange claim to fame. I, I do. And, and, and it's one that's appropriate for today's conversation. But uh, my first book, Be Brave and the Scared, came out in 2019. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that a Catholic woman who was, in, who was married, so I'm a married woman, uh, talked about pornography addiction within marriage. So my husband and I, praise God, have will celebrate 35 years of marriage this summer. And uh, we have been through quite a bit in our marriage. And one of those things that we faced was uh, an addiction to pornography. My husband uh, was exposed to pornography uh, at the age of 10. And uh, we're going to talk about all different aspects of this throughout this podcast. But um, he it grew for him as he went into the military. Uh, he was a, a Navy um uh, an NFO, a Navy flight officer. And, and that is the culture that uh, existed at the time. Um, praise God, it's beginning to change a little bit now. Um, and then he brought that into our marriage and I didn't know it. Um, I had my own issues uh, with addiction with food and other things, and he didn't know that. So he brought our own baggage into the marriage. 
And then um, out of desperation, out of uh, fear that our marriage was breaking up, I entered into that addiction with him at about year two of our marriage. And we dealt with that for the first 15 years. Uh, we, um, you know, we, we lived, we were Catholic. Um, I was going to mass. I was receiving communion. I was doing all of these things. And um, I was also participating in pornography uh, with my husband um, during our intimate life. And it took uh, 10 years for us to come out of that life and to have, um, through the teachings of theology of the body, um, to have our marriage restored and redeemed and renewed. And so it's something that um, I'm very honest about. It's something that is uh, shocking coming from a woman. A lot of people think women aren't affected by pornography, but the numbers are rising. It's almost equal now, 50% women, 50% men that are dealing with this addiction, uh, thanks to the brilliance of mommy porn and 50 Shades of Grey that came out uh, probably, what, 15 years ago. So yeah. we've got all of this all of this stuff that we have to mm-hmm. navigate through. But yeah. um well, I think there's there's so many women that struggle with it that they yeah. Yeah, I, I once I once heard a, a woman say that uh, you know guys addicted to porn is kind of like well I'm in jail but everybody else is here whereas women feel like they're in solitary confinement and they're the only ones that struggle with this problem. I did an episode on Justin Bieber with some students from Catholic University a few uh, months ago and several of the women on that show yeah. like 22 years old talked about their struggles with pornography and how they feel like just nobody talks about it with women. So thank you for, for what don't. you're doing. Uh, for those who aren't up on the Catholic lingo, I want to tell you what theology of the body is. It's the teachings on uh, Catholic church teaching on sexuality as articulated by uh, John Paul II, who was our Pope two popes ago. And um, Mary, you were just on Christopher West's uh, YouTube show just a, a few weeks ago. And I was on his a few months ago. He runs an awesome uh, organization called the Theology of the Body Institute. Christopher was on our YouTube episode back a couple of years ago. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about that, I highly recommend uh, Christopher West's work in the Theology of the Body Institute. Shout out to them. So I want to ask, and I, this is kind of personal, obviously for you, I'm going to share some personal stuff. It's porn. It's very personal. Yeah, it's very, yes. it's very personal. So if at any point I ask you anything that's too personal, you can just say, no, thanks. And we can Doesn't move on. And, yeah, it. we can, and we can edit it out later at Ethan's a great editor. So I'm going to ask some, I might ask some questions that are just like a little TMI maybe. And you can just, you can just tell me if it's, a, it's, if, I won't be offended if you're just like, ah, I'd rather not talk about it. We're that. all good. So, um, what I wanted to ask about, um, you know, so what did it look like? Wh- when did you notice that like this was a problem in your marriage? Like how did, how marriage? did that come about? Yeah. Well, okay. So um, I knew, you know, uh, that, I mean, we had the magazines, right? Growing up, you had to seek out pornography. So you would yeah. go and you'd purchase a Playboy or you would have the the cable channels, things of that nature, but you always had to seek it out. And so it was around. I grew up with six brothers. It was not something, you know, it was kind of like a rite of passage. Ooh, who's going to get the Playboy centerfold? And yeah. and for women, we had our own magazine. And so, um, you know, you would kind of sneak it. It was kind of like the thing that you weren't supposed to do. And mm-hmm. I grew up in Catholic schools. And so there were nuns and, you know, a lot of boundaries. And so you wanted to push that boundary, of course. And, um, and that's what I did. And that's what my husband did. Um, but when I noticed was, uh, during our intimate acts, you know, when we would make love to one another, certain words were used. Um, it was almost kind of, um, I want to say crass is a great Mm -hmm. word, right? It felt, it didn't feel beautiful. It felt something different. And then, uh, I remember very specifically one night, um, he was getting his master's degree. So he was studying. And I was putting the kids, we had two children and I was putting them to bed and I came down to kind of read a book while he was studying and he was watching a pornographic film on the computer. Mm -hmm. So, um, I kind of left the room. I didn't, I didn't, um, confront him in that moment. Mm -hmm. I just was like, Oh, Whoa, what is that? That's not a picture Mm -hmm. of a naked woman. That is like actual, they're having sex on the screen. And, um, and so I kind of had to wrestle with that for a while. And then I thought, you know, okay, well, if he's doing this, then what about me is wrong? You know, obviously I'm not enough. There's something that I need to improve in my physical body or, or how we're approaching our intimate life. And I never looked at it at that moment, like it was a a disease or an addiction. I I didn't recognize that then. 
I just thought I need to fix it. So I need to fix myself. I took yeah. on the blame and the shame, mm -hmm. which yeah. many women do. Um, and so over the course of the next year or so, slowly but surely, I fell into that with him. I thought, okay, if this is what he has to do in order for us to be intimate. Then I guess this is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. And um, that went so on. Was, did you you start with that kind of on your own or were you like, hey, I noticed that? No, you're it was together. This. We started that together. together. It was okay. I, I didn't. Um, my introduction to pornography, which I realized later um, mm -hmm. during our therapy, was I read romance novels when I was mm -hmm. in junior high and high school. Yeah. And there were they used to call them bodice strippers. Right. So you'd have that mm -hmm. scene where the the main characters were having sex and I would like start to read it. I would blush and then I would scoop forward three pages. Right. But then you'd want to go back and read all the details because you were in high school and that just that's yeah. not what was happening in your life. And so mm -hmm. I didn't recognize that connection until we were in our recovery period. And, mm -hmm. and we were talking about, you know, when was your first uh, kind of exposure to it? And so when mm -hmm. as a couple, we entered, um, you know, he he led me into it. And I sure. said, yes, I gave my full assent to it. So I want to make kind sure of like a know, way to as like a way to spice things up, kind of as a way to spice things up. Obviously, yeah. you know, we've got two young kids. We're in our, our mid 20s. We're tired. We're doing all of it. You know, OK, sure. You want to do this? Let's try this. And so we did. And then that led, you know, what happens is it's it's like a, a rolling ball, right? It's like a it's snowball coming down on the avalanche. It just gathers and gathers and gathers and gathers. And then you begin to uh, it's not just the physical act, but you introduce other things to that. And, um, and it just, all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where you're like, what is this? This is, mm -hmm. what are we doing? Yeah. And, um, and that's, it, that took about five years for me to sort of wake up and go, this is not helping our marriage. This is destroying our marriage because mm -hmm. it becomes about, it doesn't become about love. It becomes about objectification, which is lust. It's the difference between love and lust. And that is the basis of pornography. Love is to want the good of another it's to put their needs above your own lust mm -hmm. is all about you it's all about that physical hit it's all about that uh the dopamine that you get it's all about mm -hmm. what can you do for me and what mm -hmm. happens in a marriage is that when lust enters in when you remove god from your bedroom there's another person waiting to take his place and when lust enters in it begins a destruction of that primary sacrament so I, it becomes I, I, it's no longer a unitive act bringing you together yeah. it's a destructive act so I, I really appreciate what you're you're saying here, and let, let me see if I can I can kind of put it into my own words to make sure I understand what you're what you're saying is the difference between lust. I think a lot of times people just use the word lust to mean like your sexual drive, your desires, basically. Right. But it sounds sounds to me like the way, and this is the way the church would describe it is lust and passion are different things. Lust is kind of like Correct. this twisted, selfish version of passion. So it, we're not we're not saying that you shouldn't have passion for your spouse, you shouldn't have sexual desire for your spouse, but we're saying we shouldn't have this kind of twisted, self-centered sort of sexual desire and passion where it's like, when we come together have set, to have sex, I'm coming to get my needs met. I'm coming, right. the, the goal is to, for us to connect on an emotional, yeah. a physical, and a spiritual level, a total self-gift, as the church calls it, rather than here we are in this kind of transactional thing Correct. where I am trying, we are, we are trying to maximize each other's pleasure so that like I can get the most pleasure and you can get the most pleasure. And we're just kind of using each other as mutual tools to achieve this high pleasure. And that, but, that is a beautiful way to say it. You are using one another. It's mm -hmm. no longer a unitive act that brings you together on mm -hmm. all of those levels because that's what God intended, right? He intended for us to have this moment and it's a little slice of heaven, but when mm -hmm. it's done in the perfect, in the right order, right? Yeah. So not outside the bounds of marriage, within the bounds of marriage, but also without any extras, you don't need any extras. This mm -hmm. is, you know, I remember when I met my husband and my heart was beating and my hands were clammy and I was like, gosh, this is the best looking dude I've ever seen. And he's funny and he's kind and he makes me feel like I'm a princess, mm -hmm. you know? And so Satan takes that innocence, that, that moment where you're like, I just want to be all in. I want to be all in with him. And then he says, well, that's not enough. Yeah. You have and to, you have to add in things and there's nothing absolutely. that's needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and not that there's anything wrong with like heightening the pleasure for your spouse or even, even, even for yourself, but it's got to be with the right intention. The way I think about it oftentimes is like with dancing, like uh -huh. if you go to dance with your spouse and the things that you're concerned about 
are like, I want to hit this move. I want to look super cool. You know, I want to like dance and be the best dancer I could possibly be. And we want to, we do the best flips and twirls or whatever. Like you've got it backwards. Like when you go to dance with your spouse, like, unless you're like dancers and that's like what you do together for fun, like that's fine. But like when you come together to dance with your spouse, it's about the love and it's not about like the fancy moves. You want to do some fancy moves. That's great. If it brings you closer together, it's about keeping things in the, in the right order. Or like, you know, when you give someone a gift, you give someone a gift, not because you're like, I'm going to feel really good about myself because of the way that they react. Like that's kind of a self-serving gift, right? You give them the gift because you want them to experience the gift. And then if you're happy about it, you're happy about it. And that's the natural reciprocal way things are supposed to go. And that's the kind of attitude I try to have um, when, you know, my wife and I are are being intimate is like, the goal here is not to like reach some, you know, arbitrary means. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's about us coming together you know, in a super Mm -hmm. awesome, super special way. And then even if, you know, we don't have the best, like quote unquote performance, you know, if, if, if one of the partners has, has trouble having, if all the bells and whistles don't go off or or if somebody Mm -hmm. has an orgasm way too quick or or there's, you know, the, the The biology isn't working. The point is you're still together. Yeah. Yeah. The point is you're still together. Even if you don't look the right way, even if it lasts this long or that long, or even if a kid interrupts you. (laughs) I've been married for 35 years and I've had, there's been, there's been children interruptions. There's been body changes. There's been you know, uh, in your young married life, raising babies and sleep deprivation to now I'm a middle-aged woman in the middle of menopause. That's a whole new beast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that affects marriage. And then men go through their own ups and downs yeah. in their sexual life. So, um, the point is, is that there's nothing required, but you and your spouse, mm-hmm. right? In the right. most, I mean, you are never more vulnerable than when you're standing naked in front of your spouse. Because there's nothing you can hide. Like it's all there. Yeah. And and you know, especially as your as your marriage ages and you age, things change. And I am so, so grateful for the healing in our marriage because my my sex life now is better than it's ever been. Because I understand at the I understand the core of it. You know, what is yeah. the purpose? And I love my husband and we have a mm-hmm. very passionate and fun marriage. We tease each other all the time and we're flirting all the time and there's hugs and kisses in the kitchen and we're empty nesters now. So it's a lot of fun. That makes my heart yeah, so happy. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, we understand that we understand the dignity of one another. We respect the dignity of the human body and each other's bodies and our needs. And so our lovemaking looks different now than it did when we were first married. We were first married. It was like, game on. Let's go all the time, right? And that's that's young love. That's what it is. And then children come, and and that doesn't happen as often. And then the teenage years come, and then you're staying up not to be with one another, but to wait for the teenager. And then you know, and then when you add to that a, an addiction to pornography, it changes everything because that act now has to happen in secret, mm, and no one can yeah. be around because it's not it's not natural. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I want to try to make this very practical for people. So like, let's, let's talk about like the difference, like from before to afterwards, like what are some things that you can look at and say, like, before we had like kind of tackled this and attacked this and, and tried to resolve this problem, this was the damage. And now that we've, we've taken some, taken some steps to, to heal this in our relationship, this is the result. Can you break that down? Oh, it's for completely us a different. Yeah. Okay. So in the beginning, it becomes very, like you said, transactional. It's very much, I have a need and you can meet that need. And this is how you're going to meet that need. Right. And so you're viewing pornographic films. <laughs> I'm going to be really bold. Um, and, you know, you may have sex toys involved. I mean, that's where pornography leads to. It leads to mm-hmm. a very dark place. Mm-hmm. where it's it's no longer just two bodies together. Mm-hmm. And then you have, um, you know, your your whole show is about pop culture, right? And mm-hmm. then you have things like Fifty Shades of Grey where they're actually showing you how to do these things. Mm-hmm. And that used to be a type of film that, you know, you would watch in the basement somewhere and you would never talk about again. I mean, yeah. there was so much shame associated to it. And now it's just out in the popular culture. So it's, it yeah. becomes easy for these things to invade your marriage. Yeah. And so what happens is there's no longer innocence. 
Yeah. Right. It's not just, do you remember the first time we made love? Oh my gosh. We laughed so hard because we were, we were, you know, virgins and we didn't know what we were doing. And I mean, yeah. we knew the basics, but you know, you have to, it takes time for you to learn that, that intimate dance with your spouse. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing. But when you introduce something that's outside of God and you bring that in, it destroys the most intimate innocence that existed. So what had to happen between our first, when we first got married to the time of our pornographic addiction into our healing. So we're in our healing. We had to learn how to talk to one another differently. Mm -hmm. We had to learn how to express when I say to him, I love you and I love X, Y, Z about you. How I spoke about his body, how I spoke about his heart, how I would have to, um, when I uh, was feeling like I really would like to be with my spouse, how I approached him had to be completely different. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, there's no rule book for that. Now, and yeah. you have to remember in my case, I'm 55 years old. When this was happening in my 30s, it was the early 90s, mid 90s to 2000s. And porn addiction was not in the public I. It was just no. a rite of passage, something guys did, and women weren't involved at all. You had the bodice ripper, like I said, um, uh, magazines and and books. No one was talking about it. When we first went to our pastor to ask for help or to, you know, marriage counseling, like where would we go? His face got really red, almost purplish, and he was stuttering. He didn't even know what to do. Wow. If I were to go to my pastor today, he would have an entire list. And he yeah. would say, I want you to do this. I want you and praise God for that. But we did this in a time where we had had to kind of forge ahead. So what happened to that healing is when we entered marriage counseling, we had to like look at each other in front of the counselor and, and she would say, I'm not here. I want you to talk to one another. And then she would point out some of these words that we would use that might be objectifying. And she would say, I want you to consider a different word from that. So one of the things we did, one of the one of the exercises we had to do was read to each other from the Song of Saul, which is in the middle of scripture, which mm -hmm. is the most beautiful love letter ever written about a man and a, pursuing a woman. And it's God pursuing us. And we actually would laugh, you know, about the battlements and the pomegranates and the and the leaping stag and all of these things. And I'd be like, leaping, how is that? I am not attracted to what you're saying right now. I'm mm -hmm. not saying let's go do that. But what happened was the more we read it, the deeper it went for us. And we're like, oh my gosh, look at the imagery of this. What does that mean? You know, yeah. when I come to you as your bride, I am everything to you. Mm -hmm. And your one focus is to truly love me, not to objectify me, not to use me as a sexual portal, not to make me feel like a prostitute or a stripper mm -hmm but to love me as woman. Hmm. And my job is to love you as man, as protector mm -hmm. and provider, not an abuser, not someone who uses. And so now one of the things that made a huge difference for us is we pray before we make love. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds wild and everybody's gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're talking about God before you have sex. Mm -hmm. Yes, we yeah. are. Because the marriage bed is one of the holiest places in your home. And so now we say the prayer to St. Michael and we ask for the intercession of St. Mary Magdalene, right? These are very, um, in Catholic culture, these are, are people that have, that are protectors. Yeah. And, um, and then we, we talk to each other. We do a lot of, we talk to each other a lot. And um, because we're a little bit older, we, there's no rushing. It's just mm -hmm. a beautiful dance. And literally sometimes we are dancing and we mm -hmm. put on, Open Arms by Journey, which is the song that the first dance we ever danced to. Yeah. And and we're sitting there and we're just swaying and it's just we talk to each other and what I love about you and you know how how I desire to make you feel. And it's beautiful. And and it's sexy as hell. And you're just like, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing, is that we have we have removed all of those other things from that intimate act and we've brought it back to this innocent place of man and woman, the ones that God made for one another. Mm -hmm. And it is the most fulfilling thing. It's a, as, as Christopher West would say, it's a tiny slice of heaven. And other than being in front of the Eucharist, it's the closest place we are to God. Yeah. Wow.
Yeah, because marriage is a sacrament and sex is part it of the is. sacrament of marriage. So what I, what I hear about you saying, you talk about like the language that is used, like if, if the, yep. the language that's often used in in pornography and sex scenes, it's it's a lot of a lot of vulgar language. The way we refer to like different body parts or or something. And mm-hmm. again, if there's children listening, this is the time to turn it off because we're probably going to use some words here. But like just referring to you know a man's genitalia as like a cock, as, yeah. or a woman's genitalia as like a pussy, it has a different connotation, especially in our language. And I think like, I think if you're using those words as part of your relationship with your, your spouse, that's something to question and something to really think about because even, even if that sort of language that you, you hear in porn, even if you like, you get off on it and even if you like it, like not everything that we like is good for us. And there's kind of this idea in our culture right. that like, if you like it, then that must be good, you know, and that's, that's not the way it is. Like we are, we have disordered desires. We are, we are, have sinful desires. And what happens when you actually turn those desires over to God and allow him to slowly heal you is that your, your sexual enjoyment doesn't go down. Your sexual enjoyment actually goes up. And as as I, I, it like fills my heart with so much joy to hear you say that at like 55, you guys are having like the most romantic, beautiful sex of your life. And that's, that's been, uh, we've been married just over 10 years and like, we, so we've you're had in the a, thick of it. You're you've got yeah. young kids and you're tired and it's it's yeah. hard. Well, it's and difficult. We, yeah, and those of you, those of us uh, listeners who listened to the Bridgerton episode when my wife was a uh, a guest on this show know that like we we had a hard time. Like we didn't really have a honeymoon phase. Like she she had some 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 trauma and I had some issues and um so like the beginning of our marriage was like real hard and like ten years in like we're like just now getting to the point where like our sexual relationship is like kind of where we want it you know and there's still ups and downs and there's great times and there's not so great times but it's like I feel like it it took us like seven or eight years to kind of get on the right track and like involves some some hard conversations some some yep. therapy some books some talking to friends like it, it involved a lot of stuff um including for me some um some some work on myself with with personal purity and I, I would never say i was like addicted to porn except for maybe like maybe my freshman sophomore year of college um mm-hmm. but masturbation was something that i really struggled with or Very not common. like looking at yeah or not like looking at pornography but like you know you go to the explore page on instagram and there's all these girls in their underwear dancing around like yeah that's tempting that's it's, it's really only been within the past like couple of years that i have you know, through some, through some friends that have helped me through some priests that have helped me through spending some time in therapy, through some good conversations. And my my wife has been super supportive is like, I I am in a place now with that. I haven't been since I was like 11 years old. Like, and it is, and and I just, yeah. And I just didn't think that was possible. Like I I just could kind of resign. Like, I guess this is going to be a sin that I just struggle with my whole life. But like, at the age of, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 40 in two weeks. And I'm like, I can't believe that like I have this freedom and it's, I'm like so much happier. Anyway, sorry. What were you saying? Let's talk about, <laughs> no, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that you didn't think you could get out of it. Yeah. Right. You didn't think yeah, that, like not that there really. was a way out, you know, yeah. that you were just going to, it was just going to be there. We have yeah. to remember that porn addiction is an addiction of the imagination. Okay. Mm. It's not like drugs. It's not like alcohol. You can't walk away with it. You can't mm. walk away from it. It's, it's always going to be with you. So I can sit here and talk to you and I can pull up a pornographic image in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. The key is it no longer affects me and I don't act on it, mm. right? Because our imagination is powerful. And what are the things with pornography? It's um, halt, hurt, angry, lonely, tired, and now they've added bored, yeah. right? When you're hurt, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired or bored, This is the portal that Satan uses, right? And he uses, what he does is he takes something so beautiful and so good, like sex, like the beauty of a woman's body or Mm. the beauty of the theology of a man's body, right? And he takes something beautiful and he twists it. Mm. He twists it. And then you're sitting there and you're watching a movie and they're some of my favorite movies. The most romantic moment is when like a historical drama is when he picks up her hand and he kisses her hand and you're like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Right. That's all you need. Now, like you mentioned Bridgerton within the first 10 minutes, it's full on frontal nudity. And you're like, wait, 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 what just happened here? Wait, what, what, what? And you can't like, you want to run, but you've already seen the image. So then what do you do? Well, you've got to make a choice. Am I going to continue watching this or am I going to shut it down? Right. And my answer to you is shut it down and shut it down fast and then ask God in to heal that imagination, because once you see it, it's there. 
It's, yeah. It cannot be unseen. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get into trouble is that maybe we've been exposed to it and it was unexpected. And then we become curious. And then we realize it brings us pleasure. And then we become even more curious, right? Mm-hmm. And it is a slow downward spiral to pornography, full-on addiction. Yeah. And that's what happens, right? Kids are being exposed today on their smartphones as early as the age of eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's ever an argument not to give your kid a smartphone, I'll come chat with you, no problem. Let me tell you yeah, why you don't want to sure. do that. But um, you know what? What happens on the other side of that is when you allow God back in, when you give Him your shame, when you give Him the sin of objectification, when you give Him your marriage and the sacrament and the fullness of it. You know, He can't heal what you don't give Him. So we had mm-hmm. to surrender all of that, and we worked hard work, therapy. Yeah mentor couples, spiritual direction, individual therapy, hard, hard work for a good 12 years Wow! before we saw this beautiful sort of reawakening of our intimate life. And there were times where we were not physical with one another for a very long time because when pornography brings in a lack of trust, I couldn't trust him, couldn't trust him. And it wasn't until we really dug in with Christopher West at Theology of the Body that we recognize the true dignity of the body and the place of sexual intimacy within a marriage. You know, it is a unitive act. Yes, it is to procreate for children, but first and foremost, it is unitive. And we never were taught that. And we were, we went down the objectification trail and I will never forget the moment um, we had both gone to confession during TOV one. It was like Wednesday of the week we were there for this whole week of this retreat. And uh, we had gone to confession with, both of us had gone with CFR priests who had been trained. These are uh, priests up there in the Bronx. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I, got my Francis, I got my Franciscan cross Francis right here. Cross yeah. there. So, um, and we had both gone to confession. And the first thing, I'll never forget it, I went in and the priest said, tell me your very first image of porn. Like, what was your first sexual sin? Go back to that place. Even if you've confessed it before, we're just going to walk through it. And we were both in confession for like, 45 minutes to an hour. It's the longest confession we've ever had. And um, we came out of it and I went out into the back porch and he joined me a few minutes later and he wouldn't look at me and he had tears in his eyes. And if you know my husband, he is not an emotional man. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did the priest say to divorce? Did he, what, what are we doing? Like, I was terrified. And he asked me one question. He said, did I make you feel like that? And I said, did you make me feel like what? He goes like, you were a prostitute and you were a baby being paid for services rendered. And I said, yeah, you did. And he broke down and he said, I I love you. And I, I'm so sorry that I made you feel that. And then I had to apologize to him in the same vein because I wasn't strong enough to resist it. I acted out of fear to try and quote unquote, save our marriage. And our marriage was under strain because we had a special needs daughter and we had a son who needed his own he had a typical son, but he needed his own attention. My husband was in the military. He was deployed four times. I mean, it was just a lot of strain. Wow. And instead of seeking God, we sought to pleasure, you know, that, it, oh, it feels good. So it must be good. Like you said, and wow. I'll never forget that moment on, on the back porch at Black Rock. And, um, and we wept and we held one another and then we renewed our marriage vows. Hmm. And at that moment, we never, ever looked back. We have never, ever fallen um into pornography into watching it if we are watching netflix or prime amazon prime or a movie or whatever and and we are unprepared like we don't see that it tells you nudity is coming because they're tricky mm-hmm. that way um it's an instant off it's like oh gosh and like he turned his head i'm like got the remote <laughs> off off yeah. off you know so mm-hmm. that limits what we can watch and the other thing that you've noticed you said 400 percent increase in nudity on television and in in print. The other thing we've noticed is the violence that comes with pornography. For sure, yeah. I mean, the violence of the sexual act where where he's smacking her on the butt, Mm. they're grabbing, there's this intense physical grasping for one another. Yeah, or even even straight up rape scenes, like Game of Thrones. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. 
and, and, the and, actor, uh, and the actresses will talk about how like awful it made them feel. They're like crying on set. Like uh, I forget the um, the main girl who's like the dragon queen in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I've never watched Game of Thrones for this very issue, but I, I've like read about it. And she she has a, a interview on like Jimmy Kimmel where she talks about like like crying because yeah. of this like rape scene that she was a part of. And it's 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 yeah, it's twisted. Uh, it's very yeah. twisted, and mm-hmm. that's and that's the key. Mm-hmm. Satan twists good and beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's a downward spiral. Like I have I seen Game of Thrones? I've seen the first five minutes of the first episode. Mm-hmm. And literally within five minutes, you have the king having sex in the hallway against a wall with some some surf. And mm-hmm. I was like, what what is happening? And I just mm-hmm. literally walked out of the room and until I could find the remote to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, this is like the number one show in the nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people are waiting hours and hours to watch it. Yellowstone is another one, right? You've got Yellowstone. Great actors, great storyline. And what's going on? You have this woman who gets out of a tub and walks across. And I'm like, whoa, what's happening there? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, violence. And it's just, I mean, and then you go to reality TV and it's just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. All right. So th- this is good. We're getting into some specifics. And thank you for sharing so openly about sure. your um you know, you and your husband, I've I know it's hard book. to talk, I, yeah, you wrote a book, but it's hard. It's still hard to talk about this stuff with strangers <laughs> on the internet. I mean, who knows who's going to watch it. So I, I really appreciate that. But what I, I want to talk about a little bit is I want to, I want to make some distinctions here because what our church doesn't teach is that nudity is bad. Our church doesn't right. teach that the body is bad, that the body is beautiful. And our church doesn't even teach that the naked body shouldn't ever be portrayed in art. Like very famously, you go to Rome and you see like the Sistine Chapel, there's naked people all over the place. And one one of the things that John Paul II, when he was Pope did is there, there had been uh, – people that had cover over covered over kind of the 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 special bits on the ceiling uh-huh. <laughs> uh in the time between Michelangelo and John Paul II and John Paul II commissioned artists to go in and like very very carefully removed the paint to reveal the naked bodies because he said like the naked body ultimately reveals the glory of God and Amen. he makes this distinction where he says the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much of a person, but that it shows too little of a person. It shows just this sexual part, this genital part that can be used for pleasure. And I want to talk about the um, the definition of pornography from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. For those who are taking notes, this is paragraph 2354. It says, pornography consists in removing real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. It offends against chastity because it perverts the conjugal act, the intimate giving of spouses to each other. It does grave injury to the dignity of its participants, actors, vendors, the public, since each one becomes an object of base pleasure and illicit profit for others. It immerses all who are involved in the illusion of a fantasy world. It is a grave offense. Civil authority should prevent the production and distribution of pornographic materials. So I, w- I want to talk about a couple things in here. It's It's talking about one, you're using this for, it's being used for like some sort of profit. Like, hey, mm-hmm. if we put sex scenes in Game of Thrones, more people will watch it. <laughs> you know, like they're and using now- that that for profit. Um, and it offends the the dignity of the, the participants, like the actresses and the actors we were talking about. But it also offends against our dignity because it, it conditions our mind to think about sexuality, again, as like a dopamine hit, as like a drug, as like this is a need that I need to have rather than like this is about me and my beloved coming together or this this is a part of of who i am as a person like god made me sexual to to find other people beautiful but not to use them to like Correct. it's supposed to open up their beauty and their dignity to me like when i see somebody else and they i'm struck by their beauty it's to, supposed to make me see them more as a person to be loved it's not supposed to make me see them more as an object to be used. Okay. Right. So like it's, that's, that's, that's a distinction in my mind. I remember when I was first learning a lot about this chastity stuff, I was like 22 years old and I was a lifeguard and it was literally my oh. job to stare at people in, like it was to, to watch people in, in right. bathing suits in all day. And, and so, yeah, all day. yeah, in bikinis. Yeah. And so I remember having to like come up with these mental practices, like where, when I saw a woman that I was tempted to lust after to, to say a Hail Mary and say like, Lord, help me to see 
the beauty of this person. Like I'm supposed to be attracted to her. Like my body reacts this way. That's a good thing. That's healthy. I'm supposed to react that way, but like help me to see her as, as like a, a daughter and a child of God. And then I would look around the pool at all the other people, the men, the women, the grandmas, the, the little kids, and just say, all of these people are just as beautiful as, you know, um, right, because you know, you're looking cu- to cutie the- in the bikini. <laughs> right, but because I'm the- a man, I'm struck in a certain way, and that's okay. Correct. But you know, I have to. I, I tried to contextualize it in terms of maintaining the view of the person, and not as like this is a need that needs to be met. So we look to the um, countenance of the person, yeah. not mm-hmm. to the physical body of the person. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's one thing that pornography strips away from mm-hmm. the truth of that person. When I come together with my husband, it is all of me that comes to him. It is every every scar that I have, physically or emotionally. It is our whole experience of our marriage. It is the whole experience of my life. There is nothing I hide from him in those most intimate moments. And what you're seeing in pornography is that great word of objectification. You're seeing pieces and parts. We're not seeing the whole of them, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not supposed to. It's not supposed to be an act that takes place in a public place. Mm-hmm. It is an act that is, you know, the, the closest that we can literally be to one another. And it is beautiful and it is mm-hmm. passionate and it is joyful and it is playful. And it is meant to be the two of you together without an audience. And, and that's what is so sad to me is that now I work with young women, young married women, uh, couples that are engaged and we taught my husband Jerry and I talked to them and that's what they're what's being stripped away from them is the beauty of it they feel Mm -hmm. shame over past mistakes they feel shame over their body they're meant to feel like if I don't look like that woman and that woman that they're talking about has had enhanced breasts and a butt Mm -hmm. lift and you know if I don't look like her my husband is not going to be physically attracted to me and we've, and we've skewed what the human body even looks like. Yeah, the guys guys struggle with the same thing. Like guys are super insecure because they're watching some guy on porn whose penis is super long or has a prosthetic. Yeah. Like I was uh, again, it's hard to do research for this episode. Existed. Yeah, that well, was that was so something scary. that was that was something I learned when I was I was trying trying to do some chaste research for like what is the increase in sex yeah. scenes on TV. And one of the things I found out is like that there's this show Normal People, and I which I guess has a lot of sex in it, and uh, the guy in it has this like big prosthesis that he wears when during the nude scenes. And it's like, well, no wonder we're all messed up. Like not yeah. only are we like training our brains to see sex as a drug then rather than as like a social interaction, but also we're all insecure because we have these intimacy coordinators that are teaching people to like, you know, they, they literally choreograph these sex scenes and then they have professional dietitians and lighting and makeup and personal trainers. And they were probably genetically beautiful people anyway. And then on top right. of that, they're having surgery and prosthetics. Like, of course, we're all messed it's, up and insecure. Yeah, it's, it's so twisted. It really is yeah. so twisted. And so the question becomes, how do we change it? Right. How do we change this? Because yeah. we we our curiosity has led us here. And pornography has existed since the fall. I mean, yeah. it's you go back and you look at some ancient art and there yeah. are pornographic images and then there is beautiful art. There's mm. a di- you can see the difference yeah. in the two. And mm. so how do we regain um, regain our innocence? How do we regain um, the love of one another and the respect of the dignity of our bodies? and the retention of the sacrament of marriage, right? That, that kind of fullness and wholeness of the sacrament. And, and that really is a personal journey. You know, mm-hmm. it's a protection of the eyes. It's protection of your computer devices. There's so many programs that you can use to do that. It's protection of your children. It's, yeah. um, you know, limiting your screen time. It's mm-hmm. having an accountability partner. It's, you know, um, my husband was a part of a men's group for over 20 years. And they would come together once a week and they'd get really raw with one another. And these were meant, uh, you know, peers of his that were kind of, we were, they were all sort of within 10 years of each other um, in, in age and in marriage, time of marriage. And that was extremely helpful to him when he was going through, especially the very first part of his healing journey. And I was able to take part in the same with women. And so you have to find a community that will help you with that. But it yeah. first and foremost is a personal choice. You know, if yeah. you're a young woman in, in a young marriage, 
and your husband brings it or you bring it, you know, somebody has to be strong enough to say, I love you so much. I am not going to allow that into our marriage bed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. And I found something that my, my uh, kind of a approach my wife has taken, which has been so helpful for me. And I've, you know, I've talked to lots of my guy friends who have tried to have conversations with their wives about this and, and wives who have tried to have conversations with their husbands about this is there's two, I think there's two mistakes that the spouse can make. And one, it sounds like might be the one you made is like, oh, well, I guess that's just how guys are. I guess yeah. this is okay. Like one is being permissive. That's the one mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, two would be like, oh my got like this anger and judgment. Cause I mean, we already felt terrible at ourselves and crappy about ourselves. Like the proper response is to have this balance, which can be hard to, to strike uh-huh. is this is unacceptable. I accept you unconditionally. This Correct. behavior is unacceptable, but I accept you unconditionally. And like, we are in this together and I'm here to love you and support you in whatever you need. And I'm, and I, I thank you for being willing to work on this with me. See, um, that's beautiful. But like, thank this you practice is be- disgusting, but you are beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And how beautiful that you actually said that. Thank you for trusting me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for trusting me. I mean, mm-hmm. that's huge in a marriage. And yeah. we didn't get to that until we were in the healing part of our marriage where Jerry, um, actually he just said it last week he was in a conversation with a young uh young married couple and and the gentleman um has been fighting an addiction to pornography and he's been in recovery now for over a year and he got off the phone with you know this accountability moment and he came upstairs and he was like thank you and i was just like what because i made the bet what what are you thanking me for i don't understand you like dinner the tuna tuna casserole was yummy i don't know he goes no thank you for not leaving Thank you for recommitting to our marriage. Thank you for forgiving me time and time and time again. Mm. And I remember in that moment being so intentional. I I got up from my chair and I went over and I held him and I said, thank you for doing the same. You know, I acted Mm. out of fear and, and you acted out of fear. We both came from this places of fear into this addiction. And, you know, God in his goodness and his grace brought us out of that addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we tease each other that we're the porn couple. It's like, that's what we talk about. We talk about and, and it's very, it's, but, but I, not that I, kind of porn couple, the other that, kind, of porn that couple. kind of porn couple. We're on the other side. We're in the healing section of the porn, you know, but, um, and it's hard, especially for him because mm-hmm. sex is so much of, um, you know, this protection provision. I am man, hear me roar. And, and I love it. He's the most masculine man I know. Um, but it's hard. It's challenging to come before people and share your shame. And then the the next challenge that comes is when they come to you after we've given a talk or something and they'll be like, but I can't, you know, women will say, I can't stay. I just can't. And I'm like, mm, can't is not of God. Mm. You're choosing not to stay. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not saying that your marriage will end, you know, uh, with a divorce or it'll end with healing. I don't know that that's up to you, your husband and God. Mm-hmm. I said, but you have to fight. You have to try. Yeah. You know, an addiction is something that takes over and consumes. And if your husband came to you with an alcoholic addiction, you'd be like, let's go to AA. Mm -hmm. If they came to you with drugs, let's go to Narcotics Anonymous. So why is it that when they come to you with porn, you're like, oh, no, I'm out. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it can be healed. We have so many wonderful programs. There's three things that have to happen. You have to have psychological help. You have to have spiritual help. And then you have to have help as a couple and a community to mm-hmm. go to. Yeah. And they, we have that, praise God. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we need to, to really be encouraging um, with other people in the church. And we have to talk about it. It can't be a taboo subject. Yeah, I think I like how you spelled it out there. There's like the the spiritual help, the the accountability, especially if you're married, like the help as from your spouse and then the psychological help. I feel like for me, from a young age, I had the help. Uh, I had the theological help. I went to Catholic University of America. I knew the theology and the philosophy, and that was really helpful for me. I had the prayer life. Um, I was going to confession. That was all really helpful for me. Um, I tended to date good women. I, I I learned that lesson. I didn't have too many, too many bad women that I dated that would help me in, in purity. Um, and I had good accountability partners. I had good friends. But what? I, and then when I got married, my my wife was very helpful. But the thing that I never was always scared to reach out to because I'm well adjusted. I don't need therapy. Right. I'm not crazy. It was walking with for like a year with a therapist and yeah. him him pointing out kind of those things that you said. I it was like halt. Can you say those? Yeah, again? hungry, hungry, angry, um, lonely, lazy, tired. Lonely, no, not tired, lazy. Bored. I'm uh, lazy, bored. but I'm not <laughs> lonely, tired, 
and then they've recently <laughs> added board to it because board, you know yeah. the pandemic came and and uh-huh. our teenagers and young adults mental health just came yeah so. just helping me realize that like i what i it wasn't really a lust issue that I have. Like right. lust was the symptom. It wasn't the core problem. The core problem for me was like stress and like uh-huh. feeling and and like wanting a validation. Like that's what it was for me is like, I realized that it gave me kind of this imaginary sense of validation plus this physical relief. Correct. That happened when I like had a bunch of stuff on my plate, when I was bored late at night, when I was tired, when I hadn't worked out. And so like developing some other habits to replace those things, like- uh-huh like I need to work out pretty much every day and it's great. I'm like in some of the best shape of my life now because I've been doing that. Um, But also like at the end of every day, I take a super hot shower and that just helps relax me. And that used to be a time at the end of the day, I finally got the kids to bed and whatever. Like that was often a time where I would fall into sin. But now I take this super hot shower, let the water run over me and I pray to God and like replacing one habit with another has been a game changer to me. And and then also just having somebody that I knew in two weeks, I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about this. And then my wife's going to ask me how therapy went. I'm going to unpack everything that went like, so just knowing that accountability was happening rather than just like, all right, the next time I talk to my buddy in a month, maybe we'll talk about this. Like that stepped it up for me. So like, those were some real practical things. Well, and and the thing is you were intentional. You were intentional with your healing Mm -hmm. and, and it's scary, right? You're stepping outside the box. Mm -hmm. You're stepping outside your comfort zone. Like you, you've had this, this, uh, thing in your life that, uh, makes you feel good and then makes you feel shame. Right. Mm -hmm. And then makes you feel good and then makes you feel shame. And so what you're doing is first you have to find out what replaces the feel good so mm-hmm. that you can address the shame that has been attached to it. Oh my God, and that's it's exactly so much better. <laughs> what, well, no, that's exactly what you described. That's exactly what therapy yeah. describes. So your hot shower uh-huh. and you're working yeah. out and yeah. you're being intentional in your prayer is replacing mm-hmm. that that release, right? And now mm-hmm. you got to deal with the baggage that comes with it. And now I don't feel awful afterwards. I feel, yeah. I feel great. I feel actually feel relaxed. I don't feel like, like that was the thing is like, I would feel like, oh, if I do this, I'll just feel better. If I do this, I'll just feel better. But then I'd feel worse. Right. Because there's so. the emotional and the theological um, yeah. aspects of it that you don't pay attention to when you're dealing mm-hmm. with the physical. Yeah. And, you know, and for women, it's even worse. The shame that comes is mm. even worse because we're empathetic. We're the mm-hmm. protectors. Where our bodies were actually made to hold another human being. And here we are, uh, you know, doing this to ourselves. Here we are um, desecrating, you know, the dignity of the human person. And so the shame is even deeper within women. And then if you have, um, you're in a relationship and you choose to be the one that's strong and says no, when your partner, you know, your, your, your spouse, let's hope your spouse um, is offering this to you then that's a whole nother level of shame because then it's like, I'm never going to please him. And that's my, that's my deepest desire is to, Mm -hmm. to please him and to be with him and for him to do the same for me. So it's, 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 there's shame is just, uh, shame is what the devil has used from the beginning and he can't create anything new. So he's just piling it on. Yeah. And what you said before about healing prayer, like taking those moments and taking Uh them to prayer. Um, Jake Kim, who was on our Batman episode and his, his, uh, therapy partner, Bob shoots. They've written some great books and oh, I'll put links love, in the show notes. They have a yes, great, great yes. podcast called Jake, uh, yep. restore the glory. Yeah. So, yep. um, that their method of like healing prayer, like I, I did it like once a week and it's, I could probably only do it once a week. Cause it's like that intense. It kind of wrecks you a little bit, <laughs> but like that was a game changer for me and like helping heal that shame. Like I recommend it to everybody. It's really good. I want to, I want to ask one, one more sure. uh, question here. And then I think we'll, we'll try to close things out. We've talked a lot about marriage and our spouse helping us and um, redeeming things within marriage. I want to talk to the single people and uh-huh. the celibate people and the, the people who, um, you know, don't have a spouse. Maybe they, maybe they're waiting for a spouse. Maybe they get married one day. Maybe they, they won't, maybe they're committed to that. Maybe they just never get married. I want to talk to those people, um, you know, people with who experience same sex attraction, um, mm-hmm. people who are not in like heterosexual marriage, like you and I, um, how do we, how can we help them to, how can, what are, what are some things we can say of how to, like, if I'm, if I know, like, I'm probably not going to have sex in a month because I'm uh-huh. living in a celibate state of life right now. How do I, how do I handle this? How do I develop personal purity when I don't have like an, um, 
a person where I can kind of say, to be pure right, for this, yeah, to be pure mm-hmm. for, and like this is where my sexual desire is supposed to go. If I'm not married, like, what do I do with it? What do you <laughs> like, do? Can we okay. talk about that? So there's two things there that I think are really important. Sex is the great equalizer when it comes to personal chastity, and this mm-hmm. is what I mean by that. I don't care if you're attracted to a woman, to a man, or to the same sex that you are. We are all called to chastity. We are all called to it, right? Like sec- sexual, sexual purity, sexual not chastity, using right? Sex- sexual yeah. uh, purity. Because, you know, when we are trying to remain pure physically, no matter what your sexual um, attraction is, we already have a spouse, mm. right? We are Preach. called to be the spouse of Jesus, okay? He, you know, remember what Paul says, um, you know, women are to be submissive to their husbands. Men are to offer themselves like Christ did for the church. What does that mean? That means as a married woman, I'm under submission, under my husband's mission. What is my husband's mission? To die to self, because that's what Christ did for the church. So mm-hmm. if you take apart that and, and you separate it and we are no longer in that sacrament of marriage, you're still called to the same, right? Mm-hmm. We are still called to the same. For women, we are called to be under God's mission, right? We are to maintain uh, sexual purity. We're to maintain intellectual purity. We're to maintain, uh, you know, remember that we receive our Lord Jesus Christ with our mouth. So the language that we use is important, yeah. right? I used to say to my my husband, who was a sailor, and my son, like, you receive Jesus with that mouth. You want to what want to reframe that for me, right? And so for a single person, of course, the big thing there is going to be loneliness, mm-hmm. right? They have a great desire to maybe be in the sacrament of marriage, a great desire to be in community, and they are not for whatever reason that is. So my suggestion would be to seek out community because it does exist, mm-hmm. but also to really deepen your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to really deepen that friendship with him because he knows the desires of your heart and all he desires from you is to be in relationship. I love my husband, but I love God more. It yeah. always has to be God, spouse, self, right? Mm-hmm. God first. And so my relationship with God was very damaged because I turned my face from him. And mm-hmm. that is why we have as Catholics the gift of confession. So if yeah. you are a single person and you are lonely and you are desiring community, you know, and you can't quite seem to find it, then take that need to the Lord. Because he is a way maker. He is a mountain mover. He is an active God. And he will answer your prayer three ways. Yes, no, or give me a minute. I'm moving a mountain. Just hold on, (laughs) right? So I don't want people that are single to think, oh, I have nothing. You people that are married, you at least have your spouses. Yeah. Do you want to see my marriage at at year 12? Do you want that marriage? You don't want that marriage. You don't want yeah, that there's disaster. Some, there are some there are some things about purity within marriage that are more difficult. Because, that are more you know, difficult. When I, when, when I was single, at least I could set some boundaries with like with myself about like I'm not going to put myself in these sorts of situations with somebody right. who I'm attracted to. But it's like I sleep next to a beautiful woman every yeah. single night, and sometimes she's not wearing a lot, and like. You know, like there's and there's times in a marriage where there, yep. as you said, sometimes there are long periods of time where nothing's happening, but that person is still changing in the same room as you. You still love that person. So like there are definitely some things about marriage that make personal purity that are sacrificial. Yeah, marriage that is sacrificial. about love and yeah. love is a choice and love will cost you something. Yeah. What so I, I want I, these beautiful single women yeah. and men to know is that they are to love themselves as mm-hmm. God loves them. And if yeah, and their can, desire is marriage, then bring it to him and he will work it out for you. And the same sort of strategies that you and I have talked about, like replacing some of those bad habits mm-hmm. with healthy habits, seeking to have uh, some of those needs for, for loneliness and community filled in other ways. Like yeah. all of those apply to single people as well as people who are married. Um, I want to give a, a quick shout out to Peter Volk, who was on our episode on Schitt's Creek. Uh, and we talked about LGBTQ persons um, in relation to the church. And he's a celibate um, gay man uh, who's a diaconate candidate for the Anglican awesome. church. He runs it. Yep. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah. I, so, I anyway. know of him. Yes. Okay. Well, if Beautiful you're listening example. to, yeah, if you're listening to this show and you want to know more about that, go listen to the Shit's Creek episode with Peter. He's, he has some really 
awesome things to say. And he, he talks about this a lot, like finding healthy community and those sorts of uh -huh. things. So, anyway. All right. So Mary, first of all, just thank you so much for this conversation. I mean, this is the first time you and I have met and we're like talking about like <laughs> really deep Let's go. Things. Sex, drugs, and rock and um, roll. Come on. <laughs> that's, except for the drugs. That's like a lot no. of what this show is about is the rock and roll and the sex. Well, porn is so. a drug. You know, porn is a yeah, drug. That's it's a true. dopamine all hit. Right. So. We got all three. Rock there on. you go. Um, so I always tell my guests that by the end of the episode, we're going to give them some practical ways that they can live this message. So what's one takeaway from all the things that we've talked about um, that you would leave in our listeners' ears? Um, I think the one thing to know is, number one, you're not alone. You're, mm -hmm. you're not the first person to deal with an addiction to pornography or to have pornographic sin in your life. And secondly, to um, there is help. Be brave. Mm -hmm. Be brave in the scared. Be brave and, and take that brokenness and and seek that help and don't be afraid don't be afraid in that moment john paul ii used to say do not be afraid right mm. there is nothing that fear does for us that's positive except for maybe run away from a bear in the woods but you know other than that <laughs> not really so get get the help you're not alone but say no to the mm. shame and and be brave and go and mm. do what you need to do especially for those people that are seeking marriage or seeking to improve their marriage um mm. you can't love someone else unless you're loving yourself the way that God's loving you. Mm -hmm. And that, that heals a lot of things. Amen. Thank you so much. I think You're my, so my takeaway, and this isn't something, it is something we kind of alluded to in a bunch of different ways, but I want to say it explicitly here at the end is none of this stuff that Mary and I have said is any sort of like judgment or condemnation oh, no. on you as a person because as you've heard we've been there too okay we've been through some stuff and the message here is not one of condemnation and it's not to bring up all these sins in front of your face and be like ha you got to deal with this it's to be like god loves you and we talk about the damage yeah. because the damage is real and we, we need to take it seriously and we can't shy away from that and kind of kind of like what we were talking about before when you're having this conversation with your spouse the message of this behavior is damaging and unacceptable and, and ugly and bad but you are totally accepted and lovely and wonderful and beautiful and that's the same message i hope that the lord places on our hearts for you mary and for me and for all of our listeners Amen. that the lord just know that when the lord sees us he sees our sin and he sees that as damaging to his children. And you know how much parents hate things that damage their children, but you also know how much a good parent loves their children. And that is the love that the father sees in you. No Amen. matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what sort of freaky things you're into, God sees the beautiful you and you are his beloved child and nothing takes that away. So let's return to his mercy and get rid of that shame. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. <laughs> Mary, would you close us in prayer reflecting on some of the things that we've talked about? I would be honored to. Listeners, please join us in prayer. In the, name of the, in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for this honest and open conversation about the scourges of pornography, whether it be within a marriage or outside. Father God, we ask in a special way that anyone that is listening to this or has watched this and this has brought about shame, it's brought about past sin, um, and it's brought that up in their mind, Lord, that you, in this moment, um, reach out to them so that they know that they are seen, known, and loved by a good God, one that wants full restoration for them, one that wants them to love themselves as you love them, Lord. We just ask that you help us to remain strong, uh, whether we be single, whether we be married, whether we be be divorced or widowed, that we remain strong in the love and the protection of the dignity of the body that you have given us that has your internal, eternal thumbprint upon it. Father God, we just thank you so much for the gift of our bodies, for the beauty of our bodies, no matter the state um, or, or season of life that we're in. We just thank you so much for the gift of our sexuality. We thank you for the gift of and responsibility of the chastity and the purity that goes with that. And I ask, Lord, that you help us to honor that. No matter uh, what our vocation is, that you help us to honor what you have placed upon us um, with these, this beautiful body that you've given us. We also ask, Lord, in a very special way that you help us to be um, the warriors, the ones that go to the hurt and to the shamed and that we can be the face of Christ to them, that we can speak love and graciousness and mercy into them. 
And we ask, Lord, that you give us warrior hearts to fight what pornography is doing to our culture, what is doing to our families, and what it is doing to the church. And we ask, Lord, that you give us a backbone of steel to go in with Our Lady and to wipe it all clean in your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these lives that you have given us, for the gift of them. May we honor you with them every single day, with every single breath. In your most holy name we pray. Father and Son, amen. Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Woo! Amen. Praise God. I feel like I need to go break down a wall. I'm like oh, so pumped so up from this, yeah. Mary. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, if so people welcome. want to know more about you and want to hear more of your message, where can they go? I spend a lot of my social media time on Instagram at Mary mm -hmm. Lenneberg. So that's M-A-R-Y-L-E-N-A-B-U-R-G. I have a website, MaryLenneberg.com. If you want to have me and my husband come speak, uh, we do women's retreats, men's retreats. Um, we talk to teenagers. We go wherever the Lord tells us. So you can reach us through that, that website as well. Awesome. Fantastic. We'll put all this in the show notes. All the resources we mentioned will be in the show notes as well. Christopher West, Peter Volk, Jake Kim and Bob Schutz, all that stuff. Mary's book, go buy it, buy the crap out of it. It's really Please. good. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so thank you listeners so much. If this episode has touched you, I really encourage you to share it with someone. That's the best way this show grows is just people taking a screenshot, sending in a text, sharing on your social media. That's the best way to help us. And if you really want to help us, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron there are six giving levels that you can use to match your budget or your tithe for the month. Each one comes with perks. And everyone who is a patron of this show through the Awaken Catholic app and popculturecatechism.com, you get access to exclusive content for every episode we do. All the talks that I do in my speaking ministry go on there, but also for each episode, there's exclusive content. So for example, for this episode, I'm going to record a few more of my thoughts about this topic, including when is it okay to show the human body? When is it not okay to show the human body in, in movies and films and in what context? So I'm going to share a little bit more about that. If that interests you, patrons, that'll be in the Awakened Catholic app. The Awakened Catholic app is also for everybody. It's a free app. It's a hub for all the shows on Awakened Catholic, but it also has a Christian prayer library, Christian music library, uh, prayers in Latin and Spanish and English, and it's a great Christian community uh, for like-minded people that's a little less toxic than some other places on social media as well. I want to give a special shout-out to all our patrons who support this show, um, but especially Bob and Lisa Tenney, Maggie and Steve Hummer, Hubbard, Tom and Emily Camberiati. Um, and all of our patrons, Carl and Melissa Gore, as well. Thank you so much. Uh, we love you, listeners, and we will see you next time.